just pour ourselves out and open ourselves up and we ask humbly, let this be just an incredible hour uh, where you speak to us and you move our hearts and our minds, where you just shape us and fashion us into that great dream, into that great purpose. Help us today to understand uh, all things are under your rule. Help us to understand that all things come from your hand. We pray that your blessing would rest upon us in this room and in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. You're going to have a seat this morning. Young people, Kids Camp is uh, underway, underway. So uh, if you want to head on back, uh, time for Kids Camp. Joe will be back there and have some great stuff for you. And the band's going to take a seat. All right. Well, as we start uh, this morning, uh, we're going to uh, talk about uh, some significant stuff over the next uh, three Sundays. And uh, in particular, uh, it gets summarized in one word. Uh, we're going to do what the church always gets wrapped for, you know. Everybody always says, all the church ever talks about is money, right? Yep, we're going to do that. We're going to talk about money. And uh, kind of kick it off, why don't you uh, watch the screen here for a minute. And... Uh, uh, I won't get in your face so tough today, but uh, this guy's going to get in your face a little bit and get you thinking about uh, how we approach this whole arena of uh, money. Ready? Watch the screen. How you doing? You know, I'm going to open a can of worms with this one, I think, all right? This one here is the big enchilada, amigos, all right? So and what, you have to forgive me in advance if, if this stings a little. You're going to you're gonna have to cut me a little slack if this convicts or challenges you because I'd never want to do that. No, what I'm about to talk about is things people don't like to talk about. It goes up there with religion and politics. It's one of those things you don't talk about if all you want to do is make friends. No. This one here, this is a little different because the love of this thing, the love of it, you know what I'm saying, is the root of all kinds of evil. But on the other hand, without it, you can't do much good. All right? You cracked the code yet? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, money, M-O-N-E-Y. Yeah, the almighty dollar, the cash, the cabbage, the greenbacks, the gravy, the loot, the moolah, whatever you want to call it. You know what I'm saying? I got my own personal favorite, the dead president. The higher number on the dollar bill, the goofier the president, the more hands want to touch it. Go figure. You know what? We ask a lot of questions about these presidential papers, don't we? Yeah, how are we going to spend it? How am I going to use it? My own personal favorite? Huh? Huh? How am I going to act like I don't have any so my relatives don't bother me anymore? Or how am I going to miss the offering plate every time it passes by? And, of course, the dominant Republican question, how am I going to invest and how do I keep it from the IRS? Yeah, money, the big, big question. But there's one question we always leave out, at least I do. Whose is it? I mean, whose money is it really? That is the million-dollar question, pardon the pun, right? I know some might say, hey, it's my money because I work hard with these hands. Yeah? Who gave you the hands, buddy? Right? You're smarter than some who gave you the brains. You're driven who gave you the ambition. Right? I know you can arrange a lot of things on your own, but you can't tell me you arranged your birthplace, who your parents were, who your friends are going to be, what schools you went to, the technology that was going to be there, the people that came before you to pave the way, the people are here now to lighten the load. Huh? You didn't arrange that, did you? Should I go on? No, 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 no. I don't think so. You know, I suppose all I'm trying to say is this, people. All right? I got a big wake-up call last year. I got my kid an Xbox 360. I threw it on the floor. Boom, that's yours. I got every possible imaginable accessory that there is. Everyone you can think of, the cordless, wireless, bang-bang, the flip-flop, the yip-yap, everything you could possibly think of. Even threw in an HD plasma so everybody could see it beautifully. A couple of dozen games and said, hey, we're off to a good start. 
One day I come home and I said, hey, son, you mind if I play the game? You're only sitting there over in the corner. Maybe Dad can give it a shot. You know what he says to me? No, that's mine. Wait your turn. Needless to say, I did a 180 on the 360. And now that sucker sits comfortably in my own personal home theater. And I'm the only one with the key. You know why? Because everything in that baby is mine. <laughs> Getting in your face? <laughs> Well, hey, you know, we're going to spend uh, this Sunday, next two Sundays, and we're going to be talking about money uh, because we need to talk about it. Uh, one, we need to talk about it because when you turn on the news uh, in these days, what is it uh, you hear about but financial crisis, right? It is on the mind of everybody out there. It's what the world is talking about uh, out there. And so uh, we need to talk about it in here. Uh, second thing is I am absolutely convinced that if we can do a good job in here, if we can get our own faces about this arena of, uh, of money in our life, if we can do a good job with that, then we have an incredible opportunity to witness to the world. That uh, while the world is out there in financial turbulence and uh, struggling with how to deal with this whole arena, what's happening in the financial markets and the businesses and everything that's going on, if we can do a good job here of understanding and getting our life in order, we can have an incredible witness to those people out there that we can really help them understand how not only is God's truth good when it comes to managing our money, but God's truth is God's truth. And that applies to uh, every area of our life. Uh, so I want to talk about money. I want to be open and frank about it uh, because, number one, you just need to get your life in order. And number two, we need to help other people get their life in order. And this turbulent time is a great time for us to be able to uh, to make a witness. And ultimately, the reality is, I suspect, for uh, some of us in the room, uh, perhaps even many of us in the room, it is a place in our life where we struggle. Uh, that we're kind of like, uh, you know, we, we deal with debt and deal with all the realities that uh, financial pressures bring to us. And uh, some of us may be like the guy that had uh, American Express call him and say, leave home without it, you know, that... Uh, I mean, the reality is this has creeped into our life as well, uh, how we manage this stuff and how we sometimes mismanage this stuff called money. So uh, we're going to spend some time uh, talking about money. And I want you to hear loud and clear, we're not talking about money because God needs it from you. That's not our focus. We're not talking about it because God needs it. God doesn't need your money. Uh, as you're going to learn in just a minute, he's got enough already. But you need to understand the principles that the Bible brings about how you manage money according to God's purposes for your own good. For you to be faithful and to keep your spiritual life in order, you can't exclude any part of it. And that includes this thing called money. So, you ready to go? Here we go. First observation and the big observation. Today we're going to lay some groundwork. We'll build in some practical realities in the next two Sundays. But today some simple groundwork. Uh, first and foremost, you need to understand uh, that God is absolutely rich. God is absolutely, utterly rich. And because God is rich, you don't have to be. You don't have to live under the pressure of somehow trying to, to uh, create this mass, huge wealth. Because God is already rich. God is the wealthiest of all who has ever been. 
If you go into the Scriptures, let me prove it to you. Uh, God's talking in Leviticus 25. Uh, he says, No land may be permanently bought or sold. It all belongs to me. It isn't your land, and you only live there for a little while. God is incredibly filthy rich. He owns every single chunk of ground. Your house, you don't own it. God does. Your lot, you don't own it. God does. Your city, you don't own it. God does. Your business, you don't own it. God does. You see, everything that sits on ground, everything that's that's in the land, God owns absolutely everything. Need some other affirmation? Go into Haggai 2. It says there, But cheer up, because I, the Lord All-Powerful, will be here to help you with the work. All silver and gold belong to Him. Right? It's all His. He is the richest of the richest of the richest. Everything, gold, silver, land. If you need more information, the psalmist tries to paint a picture of understanding that we can grab in Psalm 50. It says there, Every animal in the forest belongs to me, and so do the cattle on a thousand hills. How many cattle do you suppose that is on a thousand hills? What's he trying to get through to you? He's trying to get you to understand how incredibly wealthy God is, because God owns everything. If God owns everything, that means you own nothing, right? If God owns everything, then it means each of us absolutely own nothing. God is the one who owns absolutely everything. God is the one who is rich. And God is the one who then turns to us and wants to shower into our life all good things. God is rich. You belong to a family that is absolutely wealthy. Your father is wealthy beyond the imagination of the world. And your father wants to bring to you every good gift into your life. If you look at James 1, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God wants to bring every good gift into your life. The Father, who is wealthy, wants to provide you out of that wealth. Now, here's the cool thing. Your heavenly Father is not subject to a recession. Do you get that? Your heavenly Father isn't subject to a recession. The world may be subject to a recession, but your heavenly Father isn't subject to a recession. The verse says that there is no variation or shadow of turning. It means God is never going to change His attitude towards you in wanting to bring you the best of the best in wanting to provide you with absolutely everything that God can provide in your life. His attitude is not going to vary. It's not going to change. Your Heavenly Father, who is wealthy beyond imagination, wants to bring you absolutely every good gift that He can bring. John the Baptist, he knew something about the, about the Father. Uh, in John 3, it says, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from above. We own nothing. God owns everything. 
And God looks at our life and wants to bring into our life every good thing and provide for us in every way, including our money. Including our money. Now, the trouble for us is when we get talking about this money thing, we like to have our pride kind of slide in there and build ourselves up and say, now, wait a minute. Everything I got, I got by my own two hands. You heard the guy on the screen, right? Yeah, okay, where'd you get the hands? Where'd you get the ideas? Where'd you get the drive and the initiative? How is it that you were born in this incredible land that you could make that happen? If you go back into the Old Testament into Deuteronomy 8, Moses, great leader, knew God pretty well. Uh, he gives us a word of warning about that. He says, Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and my, the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. The Bible wants you to understand is that God is exceedingly wealthy. And he looks upon you, his children, and he wants to bring you every good gift, including all the money you're going to need to do it, to live life according to God's purposes. And it's not about you, and it's not about your pride, and it's not about your achievements. It's about you putting in your, yourself in the position of being a receiver. That's the basis. That's the starting point. To understand when it comes to this money thing, it's about God being able to bring that into your life. It's His. He's the one that brings it into your life. Now, to give you kind of bookends on that reality, on the one reality, everything is God's, and it's God who brings it into your life, kind of the bookend uh, reality of that truth is another truth that you all know to be absolutely true. You just don't think about it a lot. The Bible makes it clear. The truth is you can't take it with you anyway, Right? Whatever you build, whatever you amass, you just you can't take it with you anyway. I'll, one of my favorite jokes. You ready? This is one of my favorite jokes. There's this guy who has amassed this great wealth, and uh, he finds out that he's dying. He only has a short time to live, and uh, so he goes to the bank and he has all of his wealth translated into gold bars. And he goes, you know, with his suitcase and he fills up the suitcase with these gold bars, drags it home. Uh, sits down with his wife. He says, now, honey, I only have a short time to live, and I want you to make a promise to me. I want you to promise that when I die, you're going to take this suitcase, not look in it. I don't want you to know what's in it. I don't want you to take any. But you just promise me, you trust me. You're going to take this suitcase. You're going to put it in my casket and make sure that when I'm buried, that suitcase gets buried with me. The wife agreed, said, okay. And sure enough, a short time after that, the guy died. And the wife, amazingly, did exactly what her husband asked of her. She put the suitcase in the casket. She stood there and watched the undertaker as they closed the casket, you know, and, and uh, locked it up, and she watched it go on the ground. So that suitcase went with, with her husband, and she felt she really fulfilled her promise to him, and it was good. Well, the husband, of course, now goes up before the St. Peter at the pearly gates. He's got his little suitcase in hand, you know, and uh, St. Peter greets him and says, Welcome. Great to have you. Fantastic to have you in the kingdom of heaven. And, uh, you know, we just need to go through a few things. We'll just kind of process you here and get you on in. And, by the way, what, what's with the suitcase? And the guy says, whoa, i got to have my suitcase. 
And St. Peter says, no, you don't understand. You, you don't need to bring anything. We provide everything for you. You just kind of come on in. You know, we just throw the suitcase to the side. The guy's like, no, got to have my suitcase. I don't come in if I don't get my suitcase. St. Peter is absolutely befuddled by this whole thing. And he says, I'll tell you what. Put the suitcase up on the counter. Let me take a peek inside. We'll see if it's something you really need or not. And if, if you really need it, we'll let you bring it in. And, of course, St. Peter's curious now to see what the big deal is about the suitcase. The guy's adamant. So the guy finally gives in. He throws the suitcase up on the, uh, on the counter. St. Peter unzips the suitcase. He takes a peek in. He looks at it. He looks at the guy. He looks at the suitcase, looks at the guy. And he said, you want to bring in pavement? Ah, think about it. Streets of gold. Oh, now the lights are going on. Here's the deal. You don't need to take it with you. Not only can't you take it with you, but your Heavenly Father, who wants to do such incredible things in your life now, has already secured your eternity. And He's already made sure you'll have every provision in eternity. The key for us is to start with an understanding that says, you know what? The most valuable possession, the most valuable element in our life is not money. It is our relationship with the living God. And if our relationship with the living God is in the right place, the Father will make sure we have everything we need, including our money. So our role becomes then, according to the Bible, not the creator of wealth. Our role becomes the manager of wealth. We just become stewards of everything that God brings into our life. If you go to 1 Corinthians 4, it says, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. See, the question is not how much money can you get. The question is, how are you doing with the money God has already brought into your life? How are you managing the gifts that your wealthy father has already chosen to bring into your life? See, the reality is God can't bring more. God can't bless your life if you're not doing a good job of managing what he already brings into your life. Let me give you kind of a parent example. See, if you have children, you probably get to that point in life where you're going to say, well, okay, let's give the kids an allowance, right? Some of you may already be there. Say, well, okay, we're going to give the kids an allowance. So you sit down with the kids. You say, now, kids, uh, we're going to give you an allowance, and uh, here's the deal. We want to make sure now, as you get this allowance, you're part of our family, and this is the way the family uh, manages money. And so, you know, 10% of that you've you got to give to the church. 10%, we want to see that that goes in savings. And then the other uh, part of your allowance, you, you can spend uh, freely, but remember, you're part of our family, so we expect you to spend it not just freely, but, but you know, wisely. The kids are okay. They're okay, fine, good. You give them their allowance. What do the kids do? They go out and they blow it. They don't follow any of those principles. They just go out and they blow it. And, of course, then when you sit down with them again, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? But, you know, kids, you blew all that money, and so I think I'll give you more. Right? That's when you say, no, you don't do that. Right? What do you do? You sit down with the kids, and you say, kids, didn't you get the program? Did you understand what I was telling you? Here, we're giving you this allowance, 
and, and we gave you the guidelines. And if you follow the guidelines, we'll keep giving you the allowance. And in fact, you follow the guidelines, we'll be more than willing to see as you manage that money well, we'll bring more into your life. Now, if that's the way we would approach it as parents with our own children, why would we expect God to approach it any differently with we, His children? In fact, the Scripture tells us that's the way He he approaches and sees things. If you uh, look at Luke, Jesus is telling a story here, a parable. And in the parable, He calls into question, how are you managing the resources that God brings into your life? He says... Jesus also said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. What happened to the guy? Fired. Why? He was not managing the resources according to the principles that the uh, manager set up for him, correct? That the owner set up for him. Is that right? Fundamental, isn't it? The guy's a steward. The rich owner says, here, you're the steward of my things. Here's how you need to manage it. The guy didn't manage it that way. And so what happens? He gets fired. Then comes Jesus giving us the basic principle of understanding around it. He says... He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? See, God, our Father, who is wealthy beyond imagination, wants to bring every good gift into our life. And we are the receivers and the stewards of all of those gifts, including that money. And God looks to us to manage that money according to His principles, His purposes, and not the world's. See, here's the question. Not only how are you managing God's money, but when was the last time you sat down and had a conversation with God that said, God, How do you want me to use the money you've been giving me? When's the last time you sat down and had just a really time of earnest prayer when you said, God, I really want to use the the money you're giving me according to your purpose. Would you just show me, give me a path and show me how it is you want me to manage these resources and this money that you're bringing into my life? See, the temptation for us, of course, is to be the receiver who receives this good gift from God, who receives this money from God, and then just turns around and manages it according to what we want, instead of managing it according to what God desires. And the more we manage it according to what we want, the less opportunity we give God to bring more into our life. The more we live according to God's principles and God's purposes, the freer we are, the more at peace we are from the turbulent situation, and the more God can do and bring into our life. What you need to understand is there is absolutely nothing wrong with money. Money is a good thing, but you also got to be careful. Ever heard of a guy named Billy Graham? 
pretty, pretty smart spiritual guy? Yeah, here's what Billy Graham said. There is nothing wrong with possessing riches. The wrong comes when riches possess men. See, money is a good thing. Money helps us take care of our family. Money helps us provide education for our family and for others and the school districts and all that stuff out there. Money is a good thing. It helps us provide for those who are struggling or, or those who are without. Money is a good thing. It helps us extend the kingdom of God in the world. Money is a good, necessary thing. And God wants to bring money into the lives of His people. Because it's good and it's necessary in expanding the kingdom of heaven. But when he brings it, he looks to us to manage it in the ways that are according to his purposes and not our own. And you've got to be careful. Because money in and of itself has its own power. It can take hold of you. The Bible warns you about this. If you go to Luke 12, it says, Watch out! See the exclamation point? Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. There's a word of warning there that says, Hey, watch out when you're dealing in this arena of amassing money. Because money has its own temptations and it can get a hold of you. If you look at uh, 1 Timothy 6, it says, People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into what? Ruin and destruction. Uh, ruin and destruction, kind of a bad thing, I think, hey? So you've got to watch out because money has its own power and it can draw you away from the purposes that God has in your life. Just to give you an example of that, uh, back in 1991, a little different economic times, back in 1991 they did a, a, one of those on-the-street survey things and they asked people questions about what would they do in order to get $10 million? What would they do in order to get $10 million? 25% of all the people uh, interviewed said they would abandon their family for $10 million. 25%. Uh, 25% said, of course, they would abandon their church. Right? Um, 23%, this one kills me, 23% said, uh, percent said they would become a prostitute for a week for $10 million. Does that shock you? 16% said they'd give up their American citizenship. 16% said they'd leave their spouses without question. 10% said they'd withhold testimony and let a murderer go free for $10 million. 7% said they would kill a stranger. And 3% said they'd put their children up for adoption for $10 million. You see the power of money? I mean, these are real people. This isn't pretend stuff. These are real people out there that are walking around in our midst out there. It shows you the incredible power that money has. We need to talk about money and understand we don't own it. God owns it all. 
And God chooses to bring it into our lives just because He loves us and wants to provide for us. And when we start managing it according to His principles and His purposes, it gives Him the freedom to be able to choose to bring more into our life. And we always have to be on our guard that we always manage it according to what God desires and not get trapped by money itself. Matthew 6 says, What good will it be for you to gain the whole world, yet forfeit your soul? Or what can you give in exchange for your soul? Wouldn't you say some of the folks who respond to that are giving up their soul for 10 million bucks? That's why money, you need to understand money, is always a spiritual question. It's always a spiritual question. If you look at the uh, if you look at the Bible and you start looking at money in the Bible, there are 2350 verses in the Bible that talk about money. Isn't that incredible? Does that sound like a lot to you? 2350 verses in the in the Bible that talk directly about money. Here's even more more amazing. Jesus, if you look at Jesus, in particular his parables, if you look at Jesus and what he taught, what he said, he talked more about money than he did about heaven, about hell, or about love. Isn't that incredible? And we avoid it. We avoid it. Money is always a spiritual question. If you look at Matthew 6, Jesus says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things are the unbelievers seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Is that consistent with what we've already taught this morning? See how that works? You see, it's a spiritual question. It's about your relationship with God. Money always flows. Either it's flowing into your life or how you manage it in your life is always centered around your relationship with the living God. To make it more pointed, 1 Timothy 6 says, Warn the rich people of this world not to be proud or to trust in wealth that is easily lost. Tell them to have faith in God who is rich and blessing us with everything we need to enjoy life. Where does the real value come from? It comes out of your relationship with God. When you get your relationship with God in the right place, it means you will also bring money into that relationship with God. That you'll sit with God and you'll say, God, here's my family, here's my situation. How is it you want me to manage this money in a way that brings your purposes to pass and brings honor to you? And when you do that, it opens up the window of opportunity for God to bring more into your life. When you don't do that, it becomes more difficult. It becomes more difficult for your rich heavenly Father to provide you that money. It's straightforward, not just the guy up on the screen getting in your face, but Matthew 6, straightforward verse in Matthew 6 that says, No one can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other, or you'll hold to the one and despise the other. Here's the sentence. Why don't you say it with me? You cannot serve both God and... Think the Bible's true? 
That's why it's a spiritual question. That's why we're going to spend the time next Sunday and the Sunday after going even further into what are the principles of how we manage God's money. Because when you begin to get that into your spiritual life, you become an opportunity for not only God to bless, but you become an opportunity for others to see and understand the incredible God that's at work in your life. When you start giving up the the turbulent financial stuff that's going on in the world and you just find that piece of understanding that says, wait a minute, my father's wealthy. Wait a minute, my my father has cattle on a thousand hills. I don't have anything to worry about. My father wants to bless me. My father wants to bring money into my life. My father wants to take care of me with everything I, I need to do his purposes. And all I have to do is make sure I stay in a stewardship relationship that manages that money according to his desire. That's when Matthew 6.21 becomes real. It says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. To show you the heart of the world, they did another survey. They must have not gone to the beauty pageants, but... They did a self-wish survey. It says, if America could have their wildest dream come true. So they just went up the phone and said, what's your wildest dream? If it could come come true. 38% of Americans said the wildest dream that they would choose to come true in their life was to win the lottery. Now, here's the amazing thing. 1% said create world peace. That shows you where the world is. And it shows you the opportunity for us to stand up to the world and to show the world in these turbulent times what the real eternal answer is to how we deal with money and where money is in life. That's what we're going to do next week and the week after. I hope you're here and we'll get even more serious. Why don't we have the band come up and pray this morning? Father, we come up to you. We come to you this morning, and uh, uh, we set the groundwork in understanding that uh, you are incredibly wealthy, that you own everything, and there is nothing that really is ours. And even if there was, we couldn't take us with, take it with us anyway. Father, we just ask this morning that we can see the most valuable thing in our life is living in relationship with you and letting our life be formed and shaped and fashioned according to your purpose and not withholding even the smallest of things in our life, including our money, your money, that you lend to us to be stewards. Plant within us this morning, Father, that great seed of understanding that can grow and flourish in these weeks so that we can uh, just get our lives together in such a way that when we manage our money, we can have peace even in these turbulent times and we can understand that there's others out there who need to see our example and know the truth. Father, we thank you now and we praise you for this beginning. We ask for your blessing on this message series and that it would take root in each of our lives, that it would all be according to your purpose. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.